0: and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you.
1: Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the oh, I don't care crap.
0: A little adventure. Where are you going?
1: I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. it goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox.
0: Life can hurt, but life is sweet.
1: Little Way rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Termo Plus. If your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel, is it possible if I begin to change the way I think, change the way I act, and change the way life I feel, should my life change?
0: Hi, my name is Mark Groves, and I'm obsessed with understanding human behavior and why we do what we do. In this podcast, I interview the world's most brilliant minds and hearts where I get to explore alongside you every subject you can imagine relating to our human experience and how we relate. It is my deepest intention that we all learn how to create the life and love that we've always dreamt of. Now, before we get rolling, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And one ask that I have and an amazing way that you can help support the podcast is by wherever you listen to it, giving it a five-star review and a written review. With all that said, let's dive in and transform our lives. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Rose podcast. Today, I have been looking forward to this episode for quite some time. It's with Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is a New York Times bestselling author, researcher, a lecturer, and corporate consultant whose research has led him to develop a practical formula to help people transform their lives. Ah, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Mark. I'm happy to be with you. I feel like I already know you quite well, but not on a personal level, just because your voice has been in my ear so much. And the meditations have just been incredible. And I read your book, You Are the Placebo, years ago. And was really drawn to becoming supernatural more recently. A friend of mine recommended it, I hadn't read it yet, and I dove deep into the meditations. And, you know, I listened to an interview that you did not too long ago where you were talking about the circumstances of the world and not allowing them or us to become a victim of them. And I just thought, based on what everyone has collectively been through, maybe you could explain that a little more and, and what is the process? Because I was really inspired by what you said in, in choosing how we
1: respond to it. Being victimized by a circumstance in your life literally means that, that that event, that circumstance, that person, that condition is actually causing you to feel emotionally and think in terms of memories equal to that circumstance. And that circumstances actually changes your state of being. So you're thinking the same way, and you're feeling the same way, and your response to the environment is the same. We can guarantee that your life is going to stay the same because you're the same. Yes, that person. Why are you unhappy? Why are you frustrated? Why are you sad? And they'll say the this condition, this, this this person is actually making me feel and think this way. Well, anything that makes us feel and think a certain way that we don't think we have any control over for the most part, we're victims. So we're, as a species, become victimized by the conditions in our life. And it's the environment then that is controlling the way we feel and the way we think. So the idea is, if you can change the way you think and change the way you feel, could you begin to produce outcomes or effects in your life that cause you to believe that you're the creator of your life? instead of the victim of your life, which means then you would have to think greater than that circumstance and you would have to feel differently in the presence of that circumstance. And if you truly could and begin to create an outcome, the synchronicity, the serendipity, the coincidence that happens in your life, you're going to pay attention to what you did and you're going to realize that on some level you had a hand in that, you know, that you were a participant in that. Our interest is to teach people how to, to, to reverse that process. Every person, every circumstance, every condition, every place, every object that you own is mapped neurologically in your brain. So your brain is a record of the past. It's it's an artifact, a repository of everything you've learned intellectually or experienced and products of experience are called emotions the memories that we have in our life produces familiar emotions or our response to anybody that we know in our life there's a neurological network for your boss for your coworker or for your ex and for most people their 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 interaction in the environment is causing their environment to control their thinking or their personal reality is controlling their personality. So our interest to see is, so, well, if your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel, is it possible if I begin to change the way I think, change the way I act, and change the way life I feel, should my life change? Because I'm changing. And so the interest for us then is to be able to meet the challenges and conditions in our life from a greater level of consciousness and, and not be victimized. Uh, by those circumstances. But to take time and and to review how you're going to think, how you're going to act, and how you're going to feel, that's meditation, and review how you're not going to think, you know, how you're not going to act, and how you're not going to feel. It just turns out that tends to be 95% of who we are, those unconscious programs. So it's so much easier to forget than to remember, because it's the majority of who we are, you know, after a certain point in our life. So changing that process, the, the overcoming process uh, of that same self somehow begins to produce effects in people's lives. And that's that's kind of the exciting part about being a creator of your life.
0: Yeah, my experience from doing your meditations, I mean, I've done them almost every morning for the last 40 days. And I've noticed a giant state change in, in how I'm starting my day and also the awareness of when martyrdom or victimhood or like that kind of stuff is coming up. And I don't like the feelings that come with it now that I've had this taste, I guess, of now I'm living in this more state of bliss. And I'm curious what your work and your research has shown in your experience. I'm 44. And, you know, I didn't know that there was this like, the pandemic kind of magnified a seed of victimization or martyrdom within me that I didn't realize was still there like i have these tools i have a, but being as as inspired and also as intentional as i've been through your work and through reading your book i am noticing a massive change so i'm curious what i'm exper- like i'm experiencing this physiologically and mentally but what's actually going on in that change or transformation
1: there are many many people in our community that during the pandemic didn't see the circumstances from a state of being a victim they started new careers, yeah. they learned a ton of new things, they practiced a bunch of new things, they got better at something. Uh, for them, it was really instrumental. And that's the person who, who sees possibility when, when nobody else actually sees it. If you're really interested in making certain changes in yourself and in your life, when you practice then thinking different ways, and and if you say, what do I want to believe in? Well, the process of just closing your eyes and with intention and attention, remind yourself that you want to think this way. You keep doing that, you'll you'll start thinking that way. If you start rehearsing in your mind how you're going to be with your coworker, how you're going to be with your different circumstances or people in your life, and you you rehearse the act of how you could evolve your experience, the act of rehearsing is changing your brain. It's, it's installing circuitry to look like you've already experienced it. When you say, God, I'm so tired of feeling frustrated, I'm so tired of feeling unhappy, I'm so tired of feeling unworthy, Um, how do I want to feel? And you start creating those feelings independent of any reliance on your external world. No one's making you feel that way. You're actually making yourself feel that way. You start doing that enough times and you're going to start feeling that way. You're going to start, you're going to start becoming that person. So when that occurs, if a person immerses themselves in the process for seven days, we, our data shows that, that in seven days, if you think differently, if you make different choices, you do different things, you create different experiences and you feel new emotions, you are going to be a different person. Your biology is going to suggest before your life even changes. Your biology is going to suggest in seven days that your body's literally believing it's living in a whole new reality. Keep that out for an extended period of time. That starts feeling a lot better than feeling some of the, the other the emotions that people typically feel. And you notice the distinction between when you're there and when you're not. So true. This studious person goes that this this is, God, this is so familiar. This is so me, old me. I don't want to be that. I'm going to get back to feeling this feeling. I'm actually making myself happy. Then something weird happens because you're no longer waiting for your life to change, to feel happy. You're actually creating happiness independent of what's going on in your life. Watch out what happens in your world because your world begins to change in these wonderful and mysterious and synchronistic ways because that's the effect of your change in energy, and nobody changes in their life until they change, right? So nothing can possibly change in their life until they change. And so we teach people the model of change so that that exact thing happens just like for you. You start noticing feeling you're, you're not feeling that way any longer, and you don't like it, and you want to go back to feeling that way. When people are, feel whole and happy for, for no reason, they, they want less, and they rely on a, less on other people to make them feel happy. They can actually feel happy on their own. And nobody's, nobody's making them feel happy when they do this. They're actually making themselves happy. It's, it's a, there's a freedom that takes place with that. Staying there then is the mastery. So you could have a great meditation. You can fire and wire those circuits in your brain until they become a new belief. You can rehearse how you're going to be in your life. You're going to feel those uh, feelings and those emotions. But when you get done with your meditation, you go back to the old personality, you, you, you default. The question is, how many times do you have to forget mm. until you stop forgetting and start remembering? That's the real moment of change. 95% of those hardwired thoughts or beliefs or perceptions, those unconscious habits or behaviors or those automatic emotional responses, that 95% is the identity that we have to overcome in order to become that new person. And you got to start really getting conscious of those unconscious thoughts, so conscious of them that you don't go unconscious. Become so aware of how you speak, so conscious of how you're acting that you catch yourself in the act of default and you begin to change that, you know? And and you got to look, oh god, how do, what do I feel every day? What is it? What do, if I look at how I feel every day? Do I really want to feel this way, and the more conscious you become of those feelings, the less unconscious you'll go in your waking day and that 's the unlearning process and that 's where people usually give up uh, because they think they're doing their meditations wrong, and they 're actually doing it right're they 're coming up against the automatic self that really the program self the unconscious self that that they literally have to change, and so if they if they stick around long enough to Decide that they no longer want to think that way or act that way or feel that way. The discomfort that's created from that process is a biological change that takes place in the body. The body's starving from its normal chemistry. It's not firing and wiring the same circuits. You're not signaling the same genes. The body's leaving known and uh, familiar territory. And this is where most people say, I can't meditate. It doesn't feel right. And, and we know that if you actually sit, in that and you ask yourself, is there something on the other side of that? That's when the brain changes the most. <laughs> That's when the body changes the most. And and we now know that when you do this enough times, in seven days, there's so many biological changes that take place in, in the person that begin to cause a lot of growth and repair in their in their physical bodies. I'm
0: curious, uh, why is it that as humans, we default to this fear-based thinking? Like When I think about the practice of in the meditation where I you know, bring a, a heightened emotion like gratitude or love, why is it that that has to be programmed versus like, why can't I just figure out if I want to program fear or not? I'd like to just stay in the state of love. And I do recognize that through the practice of the meditations that has now occurred. And why how, how do I after all the work go backwards is there like more healing that needs to occur and I'm curious about that
1: yeah I don't know I don't know if I would call it healing it's so hardwired in us as a species that's lived in survival for for so many thousands of years and in survival you know fear is really adaptive if you want to survive that chemical rush is telling you that there's danger or there's a threat and to run from that danger or stay off and face the conflict, you know, that was kind of the model of, of survival of the fittest. So, when we perceive the problems and challenges in our life and it evokes fear, right, like and because we don't think we can control it or we can't yeah. predict it or it looks like things could get worse, that's what turns on that primitive nervous system. That puts you in a state of alarm, in a state of arousal. And we've just been bred for thousands of years to, to live in survival. And it turns out that when we, we live in those states for extended periods of time, it has biological fel- effects on the health of the body. But, but to the person, the arousal then becomes something stimulating. So <laughs> without knowing it, they, they start relying on the response to stimulate their body, to, to keep it awake, to keep it alive. And then they can think about their problems in the same exact way and produce that arousal and keep the body in a state of, a you know, state of emergency. Turns out it gets a little addictive after a while. And and, and then we start using the people and problems in our life to reaffirm that addiction to that emotion. And we're addicted to a, a life, a miserable life we don't even like, you know, yeah. and, and that's why change becomes so hard because that becomes the known that becomes the familiar and you're always you know anticipating the next moment but that's a default it's hardwired in the human being because survival was adaptive at one point but fast forward to now and in the conditions and are no longer t-rex chasing you they're just <laughs> a little bit more complex and it requires a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unpredictability, and that's exactly what creates the hormones of stress. So our response to the environment has to change, and that's what we practice doing, because when you're no longer responding to the same conditions in the same emotional way, I think when you master your emotions, you master your creations, things start to change in your life. But it goes against thousands of years of, of programming to feel love you know, you just don't open your heart in the jungle. It's just not. You just can't <laughs> trust all the time. You know, you better get prepared for the worst thing that could happen in your life because it, it happened and it could happen again. And you better get ready for that. And so we do this uh, automatically because that's uh, two hundred years ago, three hundred years ago it wasn't easy being human. So there's a there's a lot of adaptive mechanisms for survival, and and the world is changing and. We can't face those um, problems that or challenges in our life from the same level of consciousness. Uh, So we discovered that that if you really truly start mastering those survival emotions that are fear or anger or hostility or violence or uh, pain or suffering or guilt or shame, you start practicing mastering those emotions there's significant changes in in people's health. And if they could begin to trade those emotions for elevated emotions, and if they can do this really well, and we we work on people getting into that state where they can relax in their heart. Mm -hmm. If they can literally work with their body and get beyond the arousals and the frustrations, and, and they just keep sticking with it, energy naturally moves to the heart. But the moment that happens, the heart literally sends a very profound signal to the brain. It's informing the brain. It's a a great time to create. That state of being relaxed in the heart and awake in the brain is actually the formula we discovered when the person really can do some really cool things. We want to get really good at doing it with our eyes closed, that we can start doing it with our eyes open. And that's when you begin to show the world there's another way of of living instead of unconscious, you know, stressed out and living in a program.
0: Yeah, I don't think we often consider the impact of staying in the old state. One of the things that you said, and I, I might not get the words exactly right, but in your book that really struck me was that essentially a human can't stay suspended in that level of stress and that level of uncertainty for a period of time without it having an impact on my health. And I, I was mountain biking as I was listening to your book. And I was thinking to myself, man, what genes have I turned on with this heightened level of fear and, and things and then what you said about evolution and fearing for life and all those things that have, have come, you know, maybe more front and center. And I watched the news more. I never watched the news before. And all of a sudden, I was like on Twitter learning things that were just I can tell now based on what you're saying that I was addicted to the sort of rush I was getting, even though I wasn't feeling great after. I also then had this awareness just through the way that you frame things that if I turn them on, then I can turn them off. And if I turn those off, I can turn other ones on. So can you maybe speak to what is the cost that it has on the human system? And then like, what is possible from this work? And uh, because I feel like I'm feeling the effects of it, and I want other people to recognize, too, what they can change in their lives and their circumstances.
1: When we live in that state of stress and we live in that state of survival and we switch on that primitive nervous system, we're mobilizing enormous amounts of energy to prepare for that danger or threat so you can run, fight, or hide. And it's really adaptive, as I said, when you're being chased by T-Rex. But stress is when your brain and body are knocked out of homeostasis. Stress is when your brain and body are knocked out of balance. There's an innate mechanism to return the body back into balance and homeostasis, and that's called health, right? Mm -hmm. But when the body's out of balance and it's mobilizing all of its resources, that state of imbalance then is really to help it to survive in those conditions, and it needs all the energy that it can possibly get. So it works really well problem is is that if you're reacting to a coworker or the traffic or the news you're putting on that same system and that arousal becomes addictive right so and then we rely on those things to make us feel more of those emotions and become subconscious it becomes it becomes conditioned and you could think about the problems in your life and do the exact same thing you can turn on that same system and and the long-term effects of living in that state of emergency down and creates disease. It's a scientific fact. The body can't live in that state of emergency all the time. It burns out. And if you're thinking about your problems, then it means then that your thoughts could make you sick, you know, and literally, and that's, that's the outcome. So is it possible then if your thoughts can make you sick, your thoughts can make you well? And that's exactly what our research shows. Uh, You keep thinking the same way, you keep making the same choices, you keep doing the same things, you keep having the same experiences and reacting to the same conditions with the same emotions. For the most part, your genes and your brain and everything is going to stay the same and your blood values because you're the same. So then the process of thinking differently, making different choices, doing different things, creating different experiences and feeling different emotions, if you do that for seven days... You have significant changes that take place on a cellular level on your brain, in in just about every part of your biology because you're 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 making those changes. Our discoveries really have to do with showing people that their nervous system is the greatest pharmacy in the world. That it that it makes chemicals that work better than any drug. We can say that with, with such certainty when a person moves into, into, into these states. The practical part of it all the time is, is the daily practice. People in our work that do this work, they do it really because they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. And when you combine the what and the why, the how tends to get easier.
0: So as they go through this, transformation of daily because it sounds to me like this requires that level of responsibility like a level of responsibility to say no longer am I going to just let my circumstances and my health be what they are I'm actually going to take active steps in change And that I, I love what you said about the nervous system being sort of the greatest pharmacy because I don't think we know the power of our bodies the power of our health the power of coherence?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a great question because the people who live in stress or living in survival, as they try to control and predict everything that takes place in their life, every person, every object, every circumstance has a neurological network in the brain and the arousal of the stress hormones shifts our attention very quickly to all these elements in our lives. And our brains literally start firing out of order. They start firing like a lightning storm in the clouds very incoherently and networks of neurons start working separately from one another they compartmentalize and when the brain is incoherent we're incoherent when the brain isn't working right we're not working right the heart which is now pumping an enormous amount of blood against a closed system the uh, the arteries aren't uh, you're not running and you're not fighting so the pressure against the heart causes the heart to beat very incoherently mm-hmm. And in that state, energy goes down in the heart. Uh, Incoherence creates a loss of energy, both in the heart and the brain. So that kind of dysregulation that takes place in the nervous system begins to send very incoherent messages through the autonomic nervous system to all the cells and tissues and organs in the body. And the brain is now really over-focused. You know, when you're in stress, you're really thinking a lot. You're thinking about the same thing over and over again. It's looping. And that looping actually within that emotional state is actually driving your brain to become more and more analytical and moving into very high brainwave states. You're narrowing your focus on something. And that's what we do when um, the arousal of stress causes us to pinpoint our focus on a person, on a circumstance, on a problem, a thought, whatever it is. That that cycle then is continuously causing the body to move out of balance just because the brain and the heart are sending signals to the body that are the, that the cells don't understand. It's not coherent. That's autonomic dysregulation. We discovered that when you do something really cool, you you go from a narrow focus on something that's known or something that's material, and you broaden your focus, you expand your focus and you focus on nothing. You're focusing on the immaterial, on, on instead of everything that you know, uh, the unknown. The act of broadening your focus starts to cause the brain to fire in greater levels of coherence and greater levels of, zor- of order. And when your brain's coherent, you're more coherent. And so the networks that were firing incoherently uh, out of order start to synchronize. They start to unify. They start to move in a cadence and a rhythm, and they're moving at the same frequency and they start uh, exchanging the same information, and the brain starts getting more whole. And that feels really good to the autonomic nervous system. At the same time, if the person's not thinking thoughts that are making them feel angry or frustrated or happy, Unhappy, or they're not uh, remembering experiences that make them feel bad or feel guilty or feel depressed, and they're not thinking about anything else that has to do with their identity, energy naturally starts to move into the heart. When the person starts feeling energy in the heart, they start really falling in love with the moment. That movement of energy is moving exactly where it should move, where where polarities and opposites start to produce more wholeness and the person starts feeling more whole. We see this over and over again in our scans. That feeling of being, feeling that feeling and getting relaxed into that feeling actually sends more energy to the brain. So the person becomes relaxed in their heart and awake in the brain. And that's much better than stressed out, unconscious and in a program. So it turns out you can teach people to do that and they can get really, really, really good at it. And when they get really, really good at it, the response to the environment is no longer weakening the organism. Mm. It's not causing the organism to break down. The person then all of a sudden starts saying, my my goodness, uh, I'm I'm feeling this feeling. And if I'm not reacting and responding in the same way, I want to continue to feel this feeling. and, And it becomes something that becomes more of a habit or a skill. The chemistry that's produced as a result of that is it changing gene expression? Wow. It's changing thousands of different metabolites in the body. And it's making a pharmacy of chemicals. Now, a drug studies about 18 to 25 percent cause and effect, causality. You know, the cause is produced about 25% of the times. The data that we've discovered suggests that between 75 and 85% of the people. That are participating in this, producing those same pharmacy wow. of chemicals that are working better than any pharmaceutical because a pharmaceutical is only working 25%. And there's this rich resource of natural pharmaceuticals that cause the body to become super immune to all kinds of viruses and bacteria. And I'm talking about all kinds of viruses. The plasma of the, of those people who who actually do this properly, put in the presence of a cancer cell, shuts the mitochondrial function in the cancer cell down by 70%. Now that's taking all the energy out of the cancer cell. Now it can't multiply and it can't move as well. It has effects on the immune system. It has effects on all kinds of thousands of metabolites that suggest the body is actually in a, in a healthier environment. So it's an exciting time to see when people change the changes that take place in their biology. And, and if you know that, and you sit down to do the meditation because you know that, it turns out you'll get a greater outcome.
0: I am constantly going from one thing to the next. You know, I, I live a busy life and I'm often grabbing my nutrition on the go. And I, like you, I'm guessing, want to eat lots of greens. I want to crush Greens all day long. I don't want to take the time to make a salad or do a juicing and have to deal with all that mess. And so, Organifi's green juice has really been the answer for me. It's super simple. It just takes 30 seconds to prep. You got no shopping, no chopping, no juicing, no blending. You just add water, you mix it up, and you drink it up, and you let your body soak in the benefits. And they've recently just made their flavors super powered with crisp green apple, which I love, and also mint. So it has 11 superfoods, all of which are 100% organic. It has 600 milligrams of clinically proven ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen that helps support a healthy response to stress, chlorella, moringa, spirulina, turmeric, and more, all of which work together in a sweet symphony of incredible energy-boosting and detoxing benefits. If you're looking for an easy, delicious, and cost-effective way to get your greens, go to Organifi.com create the love. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash create the love and you save 20% off this green juice as well as all of Organifi's products. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. I love that it's, you're putting science to sort of the miraculous, which is really it's just so neat, and and to show people what's possible. And I'm curious in your retreats, what what have you seen? Like, what, I'm, I I know from reading your book that I've just been like, <laughs> you
1: know, of what's possible. Speaking really transparently, in the last year or two, I I never thought in my life that I would be seeing what I'm seeing as a result of a person's ability to overcome themselves, and to connect this to this invisible field of frequency or energy that that somehow informs the body in a very short amount of time i never thought i would see we had at one event we had two people that were blind uh, Now, <laughs> this is a stretch for a lot of people by the end of that event they were seeing i mean just the odds of one person <laughs> yeah having that experience is one in billions and now you have two at the same event you know this That's is amazing and and it's so important because when they stand on the stage and they tell their story it's changing people's consciousness like i would never think that i would see that like that two in, you know two in one event one would, would be a surprise the people in the audience are become conscious of the four minute mile, like, oh my God, somebody did that, that actually broke through. It's a possibility now, and they believe in possibility a little bit more, and belief has a strong effect on the outcomes that we see. Disbelief also has the similar outcomes, but it's always the same, right? So, so the person who was in a wheelchair with muscular dystrophy, I mean, <laughs> And I've, I've studied healthcare for over 30 years and you just never see someone with muscular dystrophy ever change. And if you research it or Google it or whatever, you're going to see the very first line say it's there's, there is no cure. Right. And here's a kid that just had one moment and he's, he's standing up out of his wheelchair. He's on his feet he's moving from side to side and he's talking and the way he's talking is so contagious because you're sharing his, his, the joy of his experience, the way he's, what he's doing. People with ALS, um, that had a lot of paralysis and loss of motor function, getting up on their own again, getting out of wheelchairs again and feeding themselves again. Parkinson's disease, you know, uh, Dramatic changes in intention tremors and and you know facial paralysis and pain and tremors all those things are changing. We we've had people, numerous people now, with and this is a was a change in my own personal belief with stage four cancers where they the cancer metastasizes to bones, yeah. to livers, uh, to other organs. Their reversal of the cancer literally changes their bone structure. There's no evidence of the you know, the eating away of the bone any longer. There's the tumor is gone in the liver, in the lung, wow. in the uh, abdominal organs. I mean, we look at this from a research perspective, and, and we're blown away. And, and, and that's so cool because the evidence that we're seeing in the science, where we're seeing the plasma of advanced meditators, actually taking the energy out of the cancer cells. The fundamental question is, where is that information coming from? The person's not changing their diet. Uh, they're not taking a drug. They're not uh, eating anything differently. The information that is being transmitted on that blood is coming from within them. Now, That's exactly where it's coming from. People say, oh my God, does, do you, are you saying that meditation can actually help cancer and or uh, cause a resistance to a virus and change the Alzheimer's machine. I say, no, no, actually, I'm not saying that. The data is actually saying yeah. that. And that's the data. If the data is saying that, it's a, it's a change in consciousness. And I want people to see the data, and our data is really, really compelling, and listen to those testimonies of people. I watched some of those testimonies maybe 10 times in a row. I'm not kidding you because I'm I just cannot believe what I'm seeing. Yeah, I want to remember. Uh, I want to remember that it's, it's powerful to to see the world. and and we've cancer researchers and doctors stand on the stage that were serious health conditions and their health conditions are gone. They they got they understood it. The science made sense to them. So the application made sense. You know, people in wheelchairs, numerous people with spinal cord injuries or strokes. Walking normally, just just uh, they're out of their wheelchairs. Some of them are running now. They're in a completely new body. In some level, they're in a completely new life, you know. And they're not in the same future they, that they were headed to. They're in this this whole new future. And and the importance of a person standing on the stage to finalize this question, as and, and do testimony, and and tell their story. Uh, there's nothing like a great story, and they don't look vegan. They don't look gluten free. They don't look <laughs> young. They don't look buffed. They don't. They, they don't look like they're you know, any any different than anybody else. And it's a great way for people to realize that this person is an example of truth, right? And that's the four-minute mile, and then. Uh, people do on, do the best with what they only know is is possible, and if they don't know that healing is is possible, they'll make the same choice. Now, all of a sudden, it's in the tribe, you know, it's in the culture. It's there people are aware of this, and and consciousness is awareness, and and awareness is energy and frequency. You change your awareness, you change your energy. And that so the collective now becomes aware of another possibility, and in our week long events, it's very common that once. Of one person gets up and tells the story of how they healed themselves of whatever health condition that they had, somehow, and then once it's in the collective, it starts happening a whole lot more. And just like an infection can spread a disease in a community, health and wellness starts become as in, as infectious as disease. And I've seen things this year that that has truly blown my mind, where uh, or, or people were making those dramatic changes in their health.
0: Wow. I'm curious, what is that like to facilitate? Like, what is it when you look back at like the birth of your work to where things are today and, and even the birth of your life, but to be here today and be part of that, I'm just like, that must feel so profound to be part of.
1: I think a lot of us get into things because we want to either create or we want to discover, right? And, and discovering like, like seeing some of these things as possible, you know. I mean, the research calls that we have that we're shaking our heads. Right. Yeah, you know, we're shaking our heads, going like, "Oh my God, that this is actually the truth!" Like this is the truth. For me personally, when we look at those type of outcomes, it's hard to go back to business as usual. Yeah, I bet. And the conversations that we. We have now with reputable scientists and, and researchers when they see our data, then they say, That's seven days, <laughs> seven days, seven days. We're seeing these dramatic changes in 84% of the population. In seven days, you don't see a drug do that, right? A drug study, it's, it's never seven days, it's it's, an, it's months, you know, and you're seeing and the efficacy is, is so high. The conversations that we're having now are, are more about possibility because the data is speaking. It's the data that's saying it, you, and you can't and, and you can't deny the data. And when our scientists do the studies five different ways, I'm so excited because I just know they're just they're really getting ready to change a belief because every way, every way they run it, it turns out the same. They're going, oh my God, this is actually this is actually the truth. So, making your own pharmacy of chemicals. Um, and sitting down, here's the cool part, sitting down and assigning meaning to the act of doing it, like understanding what you're doing, and understanding why you're doing it, the how actually gets easier and you produce greater outcomes. So we use that constant reminder of the science and the and the information. So the what and the why makes the how more, more instrumental. The person's going to get greater results out of it. And that's what our data uh, actually suggests. I can say now with so much more certainty that that this is not pseudoscience. Yeah. I could say that. Like, I can't. It's no longer. Oh, that's just pseudoscience. We can't say that any longer. It's science, and our scientists really that are that are doing the researcher. They're the ones that are they're changing their belief. And and when they when they start a lecture and they call it evolution of the species, that's a big huge. You know, a, a huge sign that there that something great is happening. You know, when you see a scientist in the last line of his presentation with all these volcano maps and all these uh, statistics, say um, you are what you think. You know, that's the last line. You're 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 in shock. So science is changing now because we're changing the science, which is super cool.
0: When I think uh, I used to be a pharmaceutical rep for almost fourteen years. And when I started to learn about relationships and emotion and the effect on the body and inflammation, I was just like, that's not the way, like I couldn't stay in that work anymore. And the more I'm exposed to your work and experience it, I feel that, like I feel that difference. And, you know, when you talk about these transformations that, I mean, I know lots of people who have been to your retreats and have, <laughs> my one friend said that. Uh, she found psilocybin without taking psilocybin. And I thought, that's <laughs> is pretty profound. I just, I like the way you articulate just that the new self doesn't have, is am I saying that right? Like the new self doesn't have the thing that they might be suffering with or or the, like it's a pattern
1: of all the other parts, right? Sure. So let me just say this before we move to that. We just had a great conversation with our neuroscience team at UCSD, and they were looking at 20 fMRI studies that we did 10 on advanced meditators, 10 on novice meditators. The scientist said, I want you to know that in that transcendental experience that the person's having, their brain is looking like it's on psilocybin. (laughs) That's exactly what they said. So, it is accurate. It was an
0: accurate uh,
1: experience. Because the brain actually, through certain latent systems when it switches on, actually makes derivatives of melatonin that work exactly like those pharmaceuticals that's why those receptors are there and that creates the transcendental moment you know that's what creates this uh, super lucid moment
0: yeah that's it and, and so when they are making these changes when they're going from like in your 7-day retreat they're experiencing the meditations the change of way of being and they're also with people so it almost seems like there's this Tension of in, in a, a beautiful tension in the way that it, am I using the right words? It's almost like I'm I'm experiencing sovereignty, but also unity at the same time. Like
1: yeah, yes. Yeah. So I, there's a transformation that takes place in the weak lungs. that's really evident. It's a person overcoming themselves, and and when you sit past that point where you normally quit, that's when the brain really begins to change the most. That's when you're stepping out of the known into the unknown, and that's what that's what creates plasticity in the brain there's a, there's there's going to be a fundamental change that takes place in our week long events we we stretch people a little bit further where they like to go what's on the other side of the thought i can't uh, what's on the other side of the thought i'm too old what's on the other side of the thought uh, it's my mother's fault my father's fault what if we just keep going past those thoughts keep going be- past those emotions and and behaviors and in the seven day process that we do, the first couple of days is that overcoming process and disentangling from those programs. It takes an enormous amount of energy and it takes an enormous amount of awareness. And if you give people things to do while they're going through that change from the old self to the new self, and you, you give them some things to practice, it accelerates the process. After a certain point in the collective, in the community, the individual becomes a representation of the whole. So you start seeing people all of a sudden heal from feeling a certain way and now they're feeling another way. When they start feeling another way than the way they feel in in the same familiar way, their body is so objective that it does not know the difference between the experience in their life that could be creating that emotion. And the emotion that person is just feeling just by changing themselves. The body's actually believing genetically that it's living in a different world and, and genes regulate because the environment signals the gene and the end product of an experience in the environment is an emotion. They're actually signaling genes ahead of their environment and that's what's actually beginning to make their biological changes. Without a doubt, When that occurs, there's all kinds of great changes that take place in a person's immune system and just about every other endocrine system in their body. If the person now is behaving in a different way, there's behavior-dependent genes that make very significant changes in the person's biology. If the person has gotten past, I can't, it's too hard, it's my mother's fault, I'll never change, what's wrong with me? And they just no longer were firing and wiring those thoughts. And they began to fire and wire new thoughts. And when it's the hardest, that matters the most. If they stuck around long enough to go through that transformative process, energy naturally moves into the heart. We've measured this an enormous amount of times. And people start falling in love with life again. They start seeing beauty in all things. The heart informs the brain in a very short amount of time. The brain goes into an elevated gamma brainwave state. Now the person's literally relaxed in their heart. They're awake. They're actually conscious instead of unconscious and in a program. And they're more relaxed into the present moment. The biological changes that take place as a result of that over time become more and more permanent for the person. So (laughs) <laughs> the person who's no longer thinking the same way, acting the same way and feeling the same way, the disease exists in the other person that was thinking that way, acting that way and feeling that way because their biology is actually the same. They just became somebody else and it's the overcoming process in that seven-day retreat that actually creates the becoming process and, and there's just so many wonderful biological changes that take place in the brain, the heart, the genes, in the blood, in the microbiome, in, in just about every system in the body. I mean, it makes so much sense if you change the, your
0: state. What I think is really fascinating is the correlation to like, you're already experiencing a future that doesn't yet exist, but exists maybe in another time or dimension or whatever, you know? And I'm, I'm curious your thoughts because I know a lot of people who are exploring this work too talk about feeling more connected like my friends, when they came back from the retreat, were saying, like, they just felt more connected to their intuition. And, you know, some using the words like the divine. And I think that's such a fascinating exploration. Like, all of it challenges the way we think conventional science works, the way we think. What do you think about that correlation to divine, to intuition, that kind of stuff?
1: I think that we are innately intuitive. I think that when energy moves into the heart and we know how to, Help people do that. The brain thinks, but the heart knows. Mm. When the heart starts informing the brain of information, it it comes across as more like a knowingness. And it's we discover that when you can practice, and we do this synchronizing your heart to the brain, and we practice this over and over again. If the heart and the brain are in the same energy, the same frequency, they can exchange information. Now, the information that the person is getting is is precognitive and it's very relevant to them. It's not coming from a social media feed. It's not coming from the news. It's not coming from a device. It's actually coming from within them. And I don't know about you, but there's a whole lot of information I'm starting to question in reality. And I think it's so important to practice this process because the intuition is actually the heart saying, here's a little help. And, and we see what happens when people do this really well. Their heart speaks to them. And I don't know how else to say that, but yeah. they know. They know exactly what they need to do. And it's, it's very relevant to them. And they would never tell you what to do. They just got the information of what they know they need to do, you know. And and then it gets cool because when energy makes it to the heart, our pro-social networks switch on in our brain and we tend to move closer to one another. We tend to bond a little bit more. And we have a greater appreciation for whatever's in front of us. That's what it thats what it creates. We're more present in the moment. And I think that's what creates community. And that community is more prone to be kind to one another, to be more caring for one another, to inform one another in the right way, to support one another, to honor one another, to heal one another. And, and really to shine for for one another, so so the community can see what's possible, and they can shine more. So that that kind of community of collective networks that come together, we measure the outcome of the collective networks in the state of brain and heart coherence, and wow. we do healings on other people. And when we do those healings on other people, uh, we have random event generators in the room to see if uh, the collective network. Can cause a computer-generated, programmed machine that behaves like you're you're tossing a coin to all of a sudden act very very differently. Somehow, there's a collective network that's beginning to produce a change in three-dimensional reality. And 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 it's we're finding out it's it's not the number of people, and it's not the amount of energy because you could have a lot of energy and a lot of people, but it could be entropic. Yeah. It's the, the most coherent collective group. And that's what begins to change consciousness. So we're, we're studying all of these things and how they're all related and trying to piece models together to teach it better.
0: So if you get a group of like the, I think you were referring in the fMRI study of, of like advanced meditators. If you get a group of advanced meditators together, you can impact the machine.
1: Exactly. One, you don't have to be an advanced meditator. In fact, our data shows that if you came to a week long event and you just blew off the preliminary prerequisites to come, we don't we don't recommend this. But if you show up and you go all in at uh, the at the end of the end of seven days, you're going to be changed. There's absolutely no doubt about it.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. What do you notice when people go from these advanced retreats? So they've, they're now in their new self and then they go back to their old lives. You know, I, I would imagine a lot of people, cause I know in witnessing and being part of people's transformations that they want to be able to go back to their old lives and keep them or, or like preserve the relationship or do whatever. And it's, it's almost like everything has to change and will change. But it, what do you notice in, in your experience from, I mean, you've worked with thousands and thousands of people.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, there's, there's so many variations of that. Some people show up in their life and they're no longer telling their spouse that they need to the change. Oh, All yeah. of a sudden they're just happy and they see their, the spouse sees that they're really genuinely happy and they want to be happy again with them, you know? So that that's a, that's a teaching without words, right? I mean, you're not, you're not telling anybody to change. You're being the example of change. So, We see that happen. We see people that heal from really, really serious health conditions where they reverse the health condition, and then they return back into their life, and their health condition comes back within six months to a year because they return back to the same person. They stopped changing their state of being, and their response to the environment emotionally was signaling the same gene in the same way, And, and for some of them, their health condition came back in a really short amount of time because... That's how it's ha- had been programmed, and and they had all the changes that took place. Something amazing really begins to happen now because now you realize that if you created the condition, then you uncreated and you recreated again. You gotta can't say I'm a failure any longer. You gotta say I gotta do it again, and she she did it again, or some of them have done it again and reversed the condition again. Now it's it's a, once is an incident twice as a coincidence. And 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 what they did really well is they didn't say, I'm going to do a really great meditation. I'm going to be relaxed in my heart and awake in my brain. I'm going to get up feeling differently than when I started. I'm going to really connect and get my brain and heart coherent, and all that stuff. And then you spend the rest of your day reacting and responding to all the people in your life in the same way. You got one hour going against 15 hours. Oh, yeah. Your health condition will heal a little bit. Um, but it won't heal to the degree that that you want. You may sleep be, be sleeping better. You may have less pain, less anxiety. You may be feeling some subjective things, but they go for their scans and they go for their x-rays and, and they go for their blood tests. And it's if it's still the same, they don't say that it didn't work. Uh, they say, there's something about me that I still have to change in order for this health condition to change. They're not doing the meditations to heal. They're doing the meditations to change. So they can heal. Mm, So now it gets really, really, it gets really practical now because then they now have to really do exactly what we've been saying. They got to say, okay, you can't think this way. You just cannot, today you cannot act like that. You cannot, that's the old person. You can't feel this way. You feel this way. You're signaling the same genes and you're going to go back to the same person. And that can't be 16 hours against uh, one hour. I got to change this. I got to stay in the state. So then how am I going to think? Let me remind myself. How am I going to act? I'm going to review it. I'm going to rehearse it. The act of mental rehearsal installs the circus in the brain to look like you did it. You got hardware there now. How do I have to feel every day today to keep those genes signaled on? Okay, now let me just practice feeling this feeling. We keep bringing it up. If I have to bring it up a hundred times in a row so I could bring it up on my own whenever I need to, that's how good I want to get at it. Then I would be signaling new genes in new ways, and genes make proteins, and proteins are the expression of health in my body. So it's the expression of life. So I'm going to stay in this state of no personal condition. No circumstance in my life is going to remove me from it. If I can stay there for a period of time, now I have a little bit more time to where I'm being that new person, that new personality, instead of that old one. So then it gets super practical, and people do the. I, I discovered people that really face chronic health conditions and reverse them. Uh, they, they do their meditations to change. They don't do their meditations to heal. They understand that if they change, they will heal. You know, and then there's people who do their meditations with chronic health conditions, that do them two and three times a day. Not because they think the more they do their meditations, the more they should heal. They just stop believing, and and when they stop believing, they will return back to the same feelings and the same thoughts. They go back into the meditation, change the way they felt and the way they thought, and they could believe in that future. They get up believing in that future again. They're doing their meditations to stay in that belief. And sooner or later, of course, uh, the outcome uh, appears in their life. So it becomes super practical. And then there are people that have an interaction with energy and frequency and they connect and their brain goes into these elevated, super aroused gamma brainwave patterns that are hundreds of standards of deviations outside of normal. They're connecting to energy and the arousal is not fear, it's not pain, it's not aggression, the arousal is bliss. And the person's entire autonomic nervous system is now regulating to a whole lot of order. And it's a very, very high state of energy. And every cell in the body is getting informed with a different frequency. And we see a biological upgrade that takes place in that person's body instantaneously. I mean, there's the eczema, now it's gone. Wow. There's the Parkinson's, it's gone there's the metastatic carcinoma it's gone you know it's uh, there's the blindness now the person seeing it's energies informing matter it ha- it's happening instantaneously those people tend to heal on a very permanent basis it's it's a very profound experience for that person and they got a biological upgrade and and it was their interaction with energy and frequency and they, a formula that we practice in getting to those states allows us to connect to that to that that invisible field and, and more and more people are doing it. And we, when we get the blood of those people that have had that, that, that experience, we draw their blood based on their brain scan. There's information in that blood that wasn't there before that has such a dramatic effect on health and wholeness in the body. There's more coherence and, and, uh, A better information
0: yeah i noticed kylie my partner she was asking me i was saying oh man i had like the most profound experience in the blessing of the energy centers meditation that i whenever i do that one it's like and she said what was it like i was like well it was kind of like having an orgasm like it was it was like i was suspended between worlds but i was just in a state of just like absolute peace and you know, you were talking about how it becomes practical. And, and I, you know, I, what I love about the scientific sort of background of it is that I really don't want to turn bad genes on. I want to turn good ones on. So my motivation is like, I actually want health and wholeness and I want to feel like that. And if I can bring that feeling into my world and into my days and into my thoughts, because, you know, it's the repetition that got me to the place of, some negative thinking or whatever, I just need to repeat the positivity at the same level. And I have so much gratitude for the work you do and and thank you so much for sharing so many of your insights today. And I, I recommend that anyone listening, if you're feeling inspired to go check out your work and, and, and what are you working on now? I'm curious uh, what you got coming up.
1: Wow, well, so um, let's see, I'll I'll give you a few things. Our research is just, you know, so, so exciting. We're gonna have an emphasis on cancer research in two thousand twenty-three. We've got great data already to suggest that it has profound effects on, on all kinds of cancers. As I said, eighty-four percent of the plasma of those advanced meditators in, in just about any type of cancer cell is reduced. So so we know that we're we're bridging on a law. We we've done a ton of work on the microbiome now, and our data is really profound uh showing those changes in seven days. We are going to be working more with functional MRI imagery and and looking closer closer at the effects of our coherence healings. Super exciting stuff. Uh, we're working with prisons. We're working with Navy SEALs now and helping those folks. We've done studies with children in meditation, you know, a, th- a thousand young uh, children between the age of four and 12. And the data's really really great we 're doing all kinds of of different things uh, we're we're putting together a coalition of doctors and researchers and physicians that are interested in seeing what we 're doing and being a part of uh, you know maybe some of more of the case histories and the research that we're we're doing so and then of course you know my my real real passion is just the the week long events and the and the advance follow ups because you get uh, eighteen hundred people in the room, everybody making that shift in the second day, and you see miracles. That's the cool part, and and being part of that for me is a great pleasure in life. So, so yeah, so we're we're doing as much as we possibly can.
0: Awesome, and you also have um, the program that I saw, Inspire. Can you speak maybe more to that?
1: Oh, sure. So we do a particular breath uh, called pulling the mind out of the body, and 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 we know based on our data, it's going to create more gamma brain waves in the brain. We've seen it. It's going to put more energy in the brain and ultimately it's going to cause your body to relax and at the same time for you to stay awake. So we do this breath and it's a very active breath. And so we put together 10 songs from composers and artists that we work with, some of them original pieces. It's uh, different rhythms, the way I do it, different instruction. And it's an opportunity for people to put together their own personal playlist. You know, some people may want to do two songs, some, some people may want to do four or five. And then we we, we got a uh, an artist to design the the cover. You know, we did we did an original piece of art and we we time lapsed the whole thing and and uh, did a little, little little live stream for that. So um, it's called Inspire Volume One. We have a volume two coming, but it's just based on the request from people in our community that want to master the breath and And uh, when that energy reaches the brain, it is a kind of a euphoric feeling. So it's uh, it's something our our community really is into.
0: Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I noticed the breath is something that has taken practice for me to master. And also the sort of uh, when I do it, I can feel the opening from the perineum up to the top of the head, which is really, it's powerful. Well, keep doing
1: it. It keeps getting better.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to continue with the meditations. Uh, and uh, for people who want to find more of your work, we'll make sure that we link out your website. But for the people listening, if you want to just share it, and uh, we'll we'll make sure that all the links to all the things you've mentioned are in the show notes.
1: Yeah, so my website is drjoethespender.com.
0: Perfect. And social platforms all the same, and and uh, we'll make sure we link it all. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you and your time. Thank you.